Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working through our erotic alphabet one letter at a time. So today the letter is E, and as all people who do any kind of a live show know, there are those occasions where guests drop out at the last minute. So instead of um, being entrepreneur, we're actually going to be, E is for education today, and what I'm doing is answering questions, uh, some of which have been sent in and I've been uh, saving up to address, um, and answering any questions you might send in or phone in today about any subject relating to sex and relationships and intimacy. So do send in your questions. I'm going to start with Rob's question, which is, if you are in a consensual, non-monogamous relationship, is it possible to cheat? Okay, so let's first define terms because it'll make it easier for people. Um, And thanks for this question. It's a great question. Consensual non-monogamy covers all kinds of non-monogamous relationships. That runs from um, friends with benefits through to monogamish, which is um, a term that Dan Savage created. And monogamish is great. It's sort of, um, I give you permission to do this thing or kiss that person on this one or two occasions. Otherwise, we're monogamous. That's monogamous. It covers swinging and it covers polyamory as well and all forms of polyamory. Um, But you do note that consensual is in the title. Um, And that means that it is non-monogamy with consent. And all relationships have their own particular sets of rules. So, Monogamous relationships have the rule that people are not going to have sexually intimate contact with other people besides their spouse. And that's one of the agreements that gets made when you enter a monogamous relationship. But in non-monogamous relationships, the agreements are varied, right? So we said monogamish, there might be an agreement to um, kiss a girl and that's it, Um or there might be an agreement to um, a, a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Like when you're out of town for work, if you meet somebody, go ahead and do what you want to do. I don't want to know about it. But that's an agreement. Um, in polyamorous relationships, you might have um, a veto power, for example, where your partner has the right to say, um, hey, you know, uh I don't like this prospective partner that you put forward. Um, So because each relationship has different rules, you have to agree what is considered breaking the rules. So cheating typically is when you break the rules of your relationship, whatever they may be. Um, And it is often not the actual sexual contact with another person that's the problem. It's, It's breaking the agreements and lying. Those are the things that are at issue. So, yes, it is very possible to cheat, even if you're in a non-monogamous relationship. Um, and, and relationships do end as a result of cheating. Again, Rob, really thank you so much for that question. It's a g- great question. Um, and now I'm going to see, just excuse my typing because I have to get to the next question. And I'll move on to the next one. Right. Jane wants to know. This is also a good question. Thank you. What it means if she, she says she identifies as gay. So she's a lesbian. And um, she recently found herself in a situation where she was attracted to a male. And became worried about her identity as a result of that attraction. Because it was a really strong attraction and she'd never been attracted to a guy before. So she wants to know how you know 
whether your identity is shifting and what it means if you find yourself attracted to someone of a gender you normally wouldn't be attracted to. And so I know a lot of people think that sexual orientation is a hard and fast thing. You know, it's, 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 it's very rigid, but in fact, it's not, it's not rigid at all. And we often move a bit on the orientation scales because now we have scales rather than scale um, throughout our lifetimes. So it's not unusual for someone to start out for may start out, for example, as I am a hundred percent, you know, I am a hundred percent, a hundred percent heterosexual and um, when they're a teenager in their 20s, and then they get to their 30s and find themselves thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe I might be interested in somebody of my own gender. Not an unusual thing to have happen. Um, and then people move back and forth. And so if we're only dealing with the traditional sexual orientation, which is heterosexual to homosexual scale, it really isn't unusual for people to move. Some people move wildly. Um, some people identify as bisexual and they sit right in the middle. They might be equally attracted to male and female. Um, and then they might move to a point where they're almost entirely heterosexual or almost entirely homosexual. So there can be quite a bit of fluidity, even in people who don't see themselves particularly as fluid. Your identity and how you identify is more than just who you're attracted to. It comprises the ways in which you experience yourself sexually and your sexual relationships. So having um, a sexual experience outside of your normal um, attraction base does not change your sexual identity and your sexual orientation. It's not um, something that you should freak out about. Um, even if you act on it, it's not something that should really cause you to worry. It is something that can be incredibly situational. And it may only happen once, or it may happen a number of times, or it may be a particular person that just grabs you that way. If you are able to go ahead and go with this and experiment, great. Don't spend too much time thinking about what it means. Um, If you're not comfortable, don't act on it and spend a little more time thinking about the meaning, but don't freak out and think, oh my God, I'm no longer a lesbian because I was attracted to a man, a cisgendered man. Okay, next question. Oh, here's a good one. Okay, how quickly should a person move if they think there is attraction? So how quickly should they act on an attraction? Well, um, I think this really depends uh, on, it depends on a lot of factors. How comfortable are you with sexual interaction with somebody that you may not know very well? If you're somebody who really likes to take a lot of time to get to know somebody before you have any kind of intimate uh, relationship, then you probably want to move pretty slowly. If you're somebody who actually really um, likes to go with your gut and go with your instincts and just move, then you might want to move pretty quickly. Um, it just makes sure that you've actually had a little think about it before you act. Always a good idea to think before you act. But there isn't any kind of prescribed time. And I know there's lots of um, rules, books, and things that tell you when it's, when it's appropriate. You know, it's not appropriate to sleep with somebody on the first date. You know, you, you can't make any absolutes. It's really down to the individual, their own code, their own code of ethics, the situation, how they feel, and how confident they feel. So I hope that helps. We are about two minutes from break. Um, When we come back, I've actually got a couple more questions on deck already, which is great. And we'll just continue with questions and answers. So feel free to call in or write your questions in. It's Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. I'm really happy to answer any question that comes up on sex 
sexuality, relationships, and intimacy today because that's what we're doing today. So we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. See you guys soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives. But most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Are you fed up with reaching outside yourself for an inner solution? The next diet, the next few pounds to lose, the next drink, the next shopping spree. Tune in to Already Enough with host Kelly Backert. You'll hear tips about how to stop endless searching for an outward solution to an inner condition. Get helpful tools about food, body, self-care, stress management, mental health, and how to live your best life. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Oh, hey. Okay. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. It's E. We're doing questions and answers today. And my guest got here. So let me introduce Amina Peterson because she's absolutely amazing. Um, She is the founder of the Atlanta Institute of Tantra and Divine Sexuality, owner of Fearless Giving, um, which is Atlanta Atlanta Tantra, which was formerly Tantra in Paradise, and the host of the Fix Your Sex podcast. She's a healer, sexual doula, intimacy coach, massage therapist, tantric sex educator, sacred sex worker, sexual revolutionary and activist. Um, She began practicing massage after completing a 500-hour program at the New Chicago School of Bodywork and Massage in 2004. She's a former sexual surrogate and a graduate of the University of Illinois BA in sociology, and she was a birth doula for three years, a personal fitness trainer and fitness coach for 11 years and a yoga instructor for five. After a year of practice in Chicago, she moved to Hawaii where she was able to learn and share a more sexually based approach to massage therapy. Um, She's absolutely incredible. And I'm really pleased to welcome her to the show. How are you? Hey, Dr. Lori. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. So um, what I've been doing is taking questions I have on deck three, one, two, three, let me, yeah, three questions, which I think you'll be able to help me answer for sure. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then um, I do want to talk about your business and some of the stuff you do, because I think it's, it's really cool. And we've met um, first in Florida at one event and then at um, Sex Down South in Atlanta, which is also a fabulous, fabulous event. So I'm being asked questions about polyamory. It seems to be the theme tonight. So one listener asked, I think this is a great question. How should you handle it if your parents find you in an intimate situation with someone who's not your spouse when they don't know you're polyamorous? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, you know, I guess that's how you get out it, and it's time to have a, a real conversation about what what that looks like, as palatable as you can for the parentals. Um, I don't. I mean, at that point, otherwise, you what? 
what our greatest fear of, I think, that we have in that situation, in, in the situation of letting our parents know about our inner, you know, nonconformity. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-oh. That was my fault. You're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go on. No worries. That we fear um, rejection or that we, you know, with our parents, we fear rejection or we fear that they're going to think little of us, right? And at that point, if they're looking at you like you have, like infidelity is a part of who you are, that's kind of, you've already broken that ice. You already think, they already are going to have a struggle with that. You might as well clear it up. You can only go up from there, I think, <laughs> to me. I, I mean, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think about, so I, I remember how I came out to my parents. Um, and I came out to my parents when my son was seven when um, my relationship with my husband began. And I was still married to my father. And, um, and we were poly, so it was, you know, it was sort of known. And mm -hmm. for my son, it was natural. It didn't bother him. He wasn't uncomfortable. And I realized that he was going to be staying with my parents and then coming to see us. And he was going to talk about who this man is that I was with. And that he right. probably would refer to him in ways that would make my parents' eyebrows go up. And I didn't want them to to say something um, that would upset my son. Mm. And, you know, say something that say it was wrong or, you know, anything. I didn't want anything negative. So I sat them both down um, and I got like a Dear John letter from them afterwards. <laughs> about, oh, really? you know, yeah, they were so upset with me. Eventually it got sorted out. But um, my father was just not he, he was like, you'd be better off having an affair. And I, I, I had to question the wisdom of that statement. Uh, <laughs> And I said, that's completely irrational, right? So you mean yeah. I'd be better off modeling lying? Right. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no. But um, <laughs> it was not an easy conversation. And, and actually, um, I think if you ask my mother now about me being non-monogamous, um, she would probably have to remember it all over again. Because, mm -hmm. because I'm married, she thinks that that's... It. Do you know what I mean? It's like she looks yeah. at that. Um, in fact, I Your was on the beach. My mom have the same syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've got a partner now, right? Oh, you must be settled down. Yeah. My, um, what, the funniest, when I came out to my mother about being poly, it was because she had met um, the nice young man that I was dating, who is now my husband. And she had met another nice young man that I was dating. And she was like, asking me questions about well I, I you seem to be pretty serious with with one of them are you gonna let the other one go and I was like I just don't <laughs> see the point of, I don't see the point of that like they're we're I'm dating and and if I get serious with both of them that's fine my mother though because she is um you know she has quite a bit of homophobia in her in her system still she was I think just so excited that I was dating two men instead of a woman <laughs> that <laughs> That she said, but it was the first time she was ever supportive of anything that was outside the box for me. She looked and she said, well, if it works for you, then it works for me. And I thought, no, it doesn't. That's not how this works. But I'm going <laughs> to let it ride right now because you're you're letting me ride with my two lovers. And, and that's, <laughs> that's... I know. I hear you. I was on the BBC. Um, they did a, for BBC website um, in, in the UK, they did a little thing on non on consensual non-monogamy. So it was a couple that they interviewed and they interviewed me as an expert talking about it. And um, um, so I, I sent this little, because we're up at 100 and um, last time I looked, we were at 127,000 views, which is great. Right. It's exciting. Yeah. So I sent the link to my mom and um, she, she sent back. I watched it. It's good. That was the only comment. That's it. <laughs> because I say that I'm polyamorous on there, you know, and uh, yeah. you know, I just said it's funny. So I guess in answer to the question, you know, really, I think the only way you can do this is to come out to your parents if they catch you with a lover. It's certainly better to um, know that you've, you're giving them some good information. Mm -hmm. 
than it is to me than it is to kind of allow them to sit with ideas that you're being unfaithful and I mean all of that is much ickier exactly exactly so I, I couldn't agree with you more and also it just I think um, you know I do a lot of coaching work with individuals and and living their authentic selves and yeah. learning to accept it authentically and you feel better you feel better and your parents get to work through their emotions and I don't think we get to fully rob them I know that's not our intention but to fully rob them of the, all the emotions that they have to go through, but that's their experience, and your experience should should still get to be yours. You get to be valid and worthy of love, despite um, not fitting into whatever boxes that our parents fit into before us or our grandparents fit into before us. We get to live our own functional lives and 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 be loved and great because of it. And I, I mean, I fully agree with that. And I also think it's really important to understand that sometimes they're not going to work through it. You know, like I'm really clear. My mom's 80. Certain things are not going to change. And so I do my best not to put some stuff in her face. You know, she doesn't listen to the show. Yeah. (laughs) I've told her not to listen to the show. Um, You know, I've told her not to go to my website because It'll trigger her. And, I, and I've said it really clearly. Look, this is me. This is authentic me. And I'm no longer hiding anything. So if one of your friends says they've seen something, we'll deal with it. Right? I, right. Exactly. You know, I guess I can't. I'm about to put out an erotic memoir, which is, is coming out in August. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was, she was like, I want to read your book. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> really don't. Yeah. Because it's got all my erotica in it, along with my memories, and it's all stuff that would trigger the hell out of you. So thank you very much. I want to read that book. I can't wait. (laughs) I'm really excited about it. It should be fun. Um, Cool. What was the other? I want to find the other question that was sitting there. Oh, uh, uh, where was the other one? Go, go ahead. Crack my. Ah, thank you. What should you do if your partner who said they were poly is not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this happens a lot. It does. I end up with them in my in my in my consulting room. Yeah. Um I you know, it's one of those things I guess at the you have to decide uh what is it? Um well, gosh, I wish I could call the name right now, but I'm having a Savage. Um, yes, Dan Savage. Thank you. Had a, a, a long, a great talk about being okay with 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 moving on. Yeah. Basically, and I think that at the end, for me, as a tantrica, as a coach who coaches sexual happiness as a major component to a healthy, happy life. Absolutely. I, I can't see myself being in a relationship with someone who I'm not vibrationally aligned with. So if I've decided, if someone has can't come to me in our relationship, this is a part of, of how I identify and that they are identifying in that way at the moment. And then that changes. Well, that changes the dynamic of our relationship. And I'm poly and my husband is mono. So that can still, you don't have to be poly, but I am. Right. So that's something, I and mean, we were a few minutes from break, but that's a conversation I want to have after the break. I get a lot of people consulting me about that particular issue. I wrote an article on it some years ago. You know, what do you do if you're mono? Is it possible to have a relationship where one partner's mono and the other is poly? And I've said, yes, it is. And this is what, you, you know, these are the sorts of things you need to think about and do. But it's yeah. a very big issue that comes up over and over and over again. Um, in my experience, I, I probably get more referrals for that than anything else. I think I, I, I see a lot of it, too. And I really think it's because we we live in such a comparative society. Like, Lori, if you get to go have fun with someone else, then I want to go have fun with someone else. But I don't want to go have fun with someone else. So you better not want to go have fun. with. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then it's, you know, and on all the things that come up, things about security, things about um, 
being enough. If I that that is probably the biggest phrase I hear. Why am I not enough? Why am I not enough? Mm-hmm. Why am I not enough? And that's a completely different understanding of relationships. So we are gonna go to break. Um, And we'll be back in a couple of minutes afterwards from our sponsors, and we'll pick this up because it's a really important conversation. Sounds good. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel we're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts the voice america health and wellness channel is also on twitter we've got ideas to keep you healthy breaking health news and more follow us on twitter at voice am health that's at voice am health opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everyone, welcome back to the A to Z of sex and this week it is E and um, E is education and I've got the amazing Amina Peterson with me and it is segment three. I think I'm right in saying it's segment three, it's segment three. So before the break we were talking about um, monopoly relationships, which is a great topic and sort of is it possible to do that and how do you end up doing that? Um, so you were saying, Amina, that it's uh, some of it's really because of our comparative society. Like we think we should each be everything should be equal, able to do right. this, even right. if it just yeah. We're more interested in like not we're not interested in equity. We're interested in equality. Like I want to be equal. I want right. to have not not fair. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And so even though I don't want to eat this because it's here and everybody else is eating it. I want some. It's like the Costco sample section. Right. Instead, <laughs> instead of being in a place where uh, where we're grateful for having space for the things that we desire and, and a partner who allows us to live those desires and then supporting our partner in theirs. It's absolutely possible to be in a mono-polydynamic, but it's, it comes with its challenges and a lot of people, you know, there, there's some big, some big conversations that need to be had. So I think one of the biggest ones um, that I see is an insecurity and an un- and insecurity personally, that, you know, mm-hmm. the person whose mono is insecure inside about this. What does it mean about them? Yeah. Why aren't they enough? Why aren't they good enough? Why are you seeking something elsewhere? Um, and then an insecurity in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's both. Yeah. Cause it, 
And if you don't have that foundation, it's really difficult to do. Even if you're polyamorous, it's re- if you're both polyamorous, it's really difficult to do. If you're not secure in yourself and also secure in the, in the relationship that you're in. Yeah, because then what ends up happening is you end up having so many rules in your poly dynamic that it sounds worse than, like, I mean, I've worked with couples who, I'm, uh, when they start telling me what all they can and cannot do, <laughs> I, I'm wondering, like, well, why, why, why do this at all? Um, you have all of these rules because you can't, because of the insecure, the rules are there for your insecurities. It's like, these are our boundaries and boundaries are, are different than, you know, um, than like electrical fence barriers. And that's what it kind of sounds like. like you're, really, you're protecting something that you think is going to get stolen. Like that's different. Well, and so we we talk. Uh, I talk a lot about poly because I am. So that mm-hmm. sort of that, that tends to be a topic here. But actually, I, I, these days I say I'm not really poly um, because being polyamorous requires agency, and I'm in a twenty four seven power exchange, so yeah. I don't have agency. Yeah, um, we call it the timeshare model of polyamory, right? Because <laughs> anyone who gets, I mean, that's he, he says you're a timeshare. Yeah. Anybody who who gets access to me goes through him. Now he's very hands. I mean, that puts a lot of people off, right mm-hmm. there. Um, but he's very hands off, right? I mean, goes through him is he wants a conversation. He wants to know his own feel for the person, and then most of the time it's like, go have fun. Right. You know? Some people we're friends with. I mean, we've got extended leather family that it, it's, you know, everybody knows everybody. So that, that works too. But, but this kind of idea that it's about protecting, you know, some insecurity with him, for us, that's not what it's about. That it's, it's our dynamic. And that's what gets us off. So, you know, that's the way we do it. But it can, without understanding that, people are like, why? Why do I have to talk to him? Like, I'll never forget. Right. I don't want to submit to him. It's like nobody's asking you to submit to him. You know? But you're coming into this situation, and so you have to realize that this is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and in theory, and, and in theory, he has control to start a relationship for me, whether I want it or not, and end a relationship for me, whether I want it or not. And he's never actually ended a relationship for me. He once said to me, if you don't do it, I will. And for good reason. The relationship was not good for me. And I was miserable. And he was like, okay, I've kind of given you six months to try and sort it out with the person. And it's not getting sorted out. So, Well, good for him because that's not worth anything. If it's it's misery misery on your part, that's not, you know, you're not getting any fun out of. And I think, you know, that, I mean, as somebody who, and I love, love to, I love to date women. I always say I'm a lesbian and I have an EJ, um, but I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that that is intimidating when you're walking into a situation and you're looking at, um, well, at any time this, if I get too emotionally invested in this space, I could be cut off. Right. So right. that. But that, um, but that's the dy- that is the dynamic that you have, and folks know that up front. Yeah, and I mean, I I I, I love relationships with women as well, and um, and I do find actually that men have an easier time with that dynamic than than women do. Absolutely, yep. You know, men are like, sure, cool, I get it, and women are like. But I don't want anything to do with him or I like him, but like, can he stay over there? And it's just sort of like, is he going to watch us? I'm like, no, no. I mean, not unless you want that. I'm sure if you want to be watched, he would be happy to come watch. Maybe. (laughs) But, you know, he's not, he doesn't want to be in the middle of it, but I answer to him. And if you, and particularly if, if you don't have experience with power exchange or authority transfer, it's really confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's, and we're both poly, but when you talk polymono, poly it gets more complicated. Um, I, I think for both partners, your communication has to be incredibly good. That's it right there. And that, I mean, that's the head on the nail or the nail on the head. That's it. If you're not, let's face it. I mean, if no matter what relationship structure you're in, communication will be the demise of it. 
or a lack yes. of communication will be the demise of it. And and no matter where I'm at, no matter what couples I'm I'm coaching, um, and I coach a lot of breakups. I always I mm-hmm. jokingly, you know, you know how when you go into the gynecologist or the uh, OB's office and all the pictures of the babies are on the wall. Yeah, I, I often joke that I'm going to have a, a a wall full of faces of happy um, people who have, who are now single. Right. <laughs> because I I coach a lot of breakups, but a lot of what it is is we we haven't learned how to communicate as adults or one of us has learned to communicate as an adult through therapy through counseling and coaching and the other one is sitting on the sidelines still pouting and still communicating like a child both uh, absolutely sides. yeah both sides have to be communicate um, you know it, and it, it it is a skill folks i'm going to say it again you probably get tired of hearing me Say this. Communication is a skill. It's a skill that can be learned and it's a skill that can be practiced. Yep. And it, yep, that's it. You got to, sometimes we need a coach. Sometimes we came from families that did not teach us how to communicate in a way that was healthy or functional at all. And that, 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 that was a learned behavior. You can unlearn that shit. Absolutely. I mean, I spend a lot of time, um, I, I probably am 50-50 with, with breakups and, and staying together, you know. Um, but I, 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 I do like to facilitate amicable endings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage people, if, if you make the decision to break up and you're having difficulty doing it in a way that preserves both of you, that it's worth seeing a coach to talk through issues so that you actually save some of the positives as to why you got together in the first place um, and, and really get to honor each other. And sometimes, which I think is a great thing if you're able to stay friends, particularly if you are in a relationship where you've had children together, staying friends is, is um, superb for the children. Absolutely. Yeah. My, these people on the wall are happy and I'm hoping, you know, there's friendship should be there and like coaching through that also is a big part of it like why why do you feel like now that you're no longer going to be able to barter sex that you can't still be in a relationship with each other um a friendship or a co-parenting ship like these are still let's let's be better humans well and but i think you know that's back to our insecurities and and then people's jealousy. And the, the, the other question that came up when I was gathering questions today was, what's the difference between insecurity and jealousy? Which I thought was an interesting question. Mm. Or is there a difference? Hmm. Um, I think that if, if um, insecurity is the virus and jealousy is the outbreak. Oh, interesting. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's how you see it, how it shows up is yep. different than what it is. And that we, oftentimes we don't realize that, you know, we got to do some of the insecurity work because I always say jealousy is an emotion. It's like hunger. You got to figure out yep. how, to, how to deal with that emotion. Like, I know I can go downstairs and cook. So what do you have to do to get to, you know, handle the emotion of jealousy? Absolutely. And I always think, like, for me, you know, jealousy was something that I don't have a lot of anymore because I increased my own confidence. Mm -hmm. and And I'm also in a relationship where I am completely confident in the relationship. So, um, so jealousy isn't a thing, but envy is. Yes. Right. Because if I'm working and I'm, we've been in this situation where I'm working and working and working and you go and have fun, I'm going to be pissed. But that's not jealousy. It's not because I'm insecure. It's because I'm like envious. I want to be doing working, you know, like, Hey, this isn't fair. Is a very different feeling. And a lot of times people confuse the two, which is decidedly unhelpful. Yeah, I think it's often confused and and the practice of sitting with your emotions really can help sort that out a lot. Yeah. We're not sitting with our emotions. We're not sitting in them. We don't it's hard to tell the difference between anger and jealousy. 
and frustration uh-huh. and frustration and jealousy or frustration and anger, they all just get conflated into this big ball of mess. Absolutely. So we're a couple of minutes from break again, believe it or not. Um, and in our last segment, we will talk, um, continue this conversation and also talk about, I want you to tell some of the, pe- the people some of the di- different things you do um, and some of the fun things you do. Um, Absolutely. Because, because yeah, because you have a lot of fun and I like to share the fun. It's definitely one of my things. I have a lot of fun. Okay, cool. We'll talk about it when we come back. Okay, so we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. See you guys soon. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh Keane. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. It is E, and E is for education. We've been doing q and I'm with the amazing Amina Peterson, and this is the last segment of the show. Um, so I like what you said about um, trying to really sit with emotion so that you can sort out what's what. And I note as a psychologist that lots of people never learn to sit with their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then actually, that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. It's one that coaches and therapists can help with because if you don't sit with them, it, it just gets messier and messier. Yeah. And it's not pretty all the time. I mean, sitting with emotions is not like, you know, the highlight of the day. So no. it's, it's also about doing that, that work that's a little grimy and and, you know, unappealing on ourselves because we have to do all the work. Yes. Well, and ambivalence is one of those ones, and I notice this more and more as the years go by, that many people don't understand how to sit with ambivalence. But Mm. our world is not, you know, easily categorized. It's not black and white. Things are very complex. And if you cannot sit with ambivalence, it makes for a really difficult life. Yeah, you know... That word's been coming up a lot for me lately, but you're right. Mm. Yeah, well, and it's kind of one of the things, it, it's, we don't actually learn how to do that until late teens, early 20s, mm-hmm. like, from emotional development, but many people never get there. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because it's yeah. 
Because it's yuck. That is it. It's like, why would I go sit and hang out in this space where nothing feels good? No, thank you. And then, and then when it comes up, which it will over and over again, we don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. And it's, I, I, but again, all of these things are skills. And I like to remind people that when we talk about doing work, people often have this idea that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at the bad parts of me or the negative parts of me, or I, you know, there's something wrong with me. That's why I go see someone. And actually, while there may be things that were wrong in your past, the fact is that the biggest reason to go see a professional is to learn skills. Right. Because if you had a fucked up upbringing, you are missing some emotional and social skills. Mm-hmm. Simple. Simple. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I, I always tell people, I, you know, my, my, early childhood years were perfectly normal and then things took a dramatic turn and Mm. that that disruption of what what normal and what happiness was is is enough to keep me with the you know with the good therapist in my pocket probably for the rest of my life just (laughs) like it doesn't doesn't have to be something so major like you know we're oftentimes looking for the that huge trauma that impacted us and and i have to remind folks also like it it doesn't have to be this huge you know almost like you know major life change that was painful and brutal sometimes it's things that you just kept you thought okay well this is my new normal and maybe haven't worked through how that impacted you and how that impacts your relationships and your ability to connect with people and and then you see yourself repeating the same cycles over and over again you don't have to do that. Right. And that's a big thing. It's, it's, you don't have to do it. Um, so in the work that you do, you do a lot of hands-on work. I do. I do. Um, people don't understand that very well. So please explain what hands-on work is like. It is, it is my, um, first of all, it's my greatest joy, I want to say that. Because uh, a lot of what we experience in our bodies we are unaware of. We're moving through life with, you know, um, body aches or um, mm-hmm. breakdowns in the way that we're breathing and connecting people. We don't want to be touched. Riding the subway is horrible. Um, all of these things that we don't realize how it's really, you know, how that's affecting us um, and where the root of those things are. And so in a somatic-based practice and a practice where I'm doing uh, offering touch with breath and coaching and guidance, it really changes the way in which we experience ourselves. And I think that's so critical because we spend so much time allowing other people to experience us. And we don't even know what we're giving or getting and we don't understand the output. And so um, allowing yourself to like be in a space where you're turning off some of the you know, some of the screens that are going off in the brain, some of the, the, the noise that's happening and just tuning into the body, allowing touch to move, um, to move with your mind, to re- reignite memories, um, to experience, re-experience things, um, open up doors and pathways to healing. And, more, you know, for me, my main goal is also to open up doors and pathways to pleasure, to bliss. Yeah understanding that yeah look at this body I've gone through all this stuff I've survived all of these things but I'm designed for pleasure and this feels amazing I feel amazing I am this is what I'm supposed to be doing like I don't I don't have to be in pain all the time I don't have to hurt to feel joy and I think that's such a powerful lesson it really is and it's one of the things um particularly in because I do a lot of trauma work deep trauma work with people and particularly in talking with people about trauma work, it, it recovery from stuff like that has many facets. Um, and there's a, a lot of different, there's psychological practices that, that um, work on some levels and spiritual practices that work on other levels. But a lot of times people leave the body out of it. And you do so at your peril. 
because you store this stuff and you can't actually get it to all join up sometimes without doing some touch-based work. Mm-hmm. Um, and touch-based work, you know, you may not even think there's anything left and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're getting a massage and stuff comes up. So from my perspective, it's always better to be doing the somatic work with somebody who actually has the training to be able to deal with whatever comes up. And it, you know, not every massage therapist knows how to deal with that. Exactly. Um, and so, I also work hand in hand with some great folks like you. Like I have, you know, my mental health folks that I send my clients to and they send me clients. Send you people. Absolutely. Yeah, so we are working in tandem um, to offer the t- a, a more, you know, a more holistic, a more embodied approach to healing. Right. Just, and- you know, puritanic views have like really ruined a lot of um, psychosomatic healing for us. And so sometimes you got to, you know, change it up a little bit. Yeah, no, and it's really important. And we are actually only four minutes from the end of the show, believe it or not. So if people want to find you, where is the best way for them to find you? The easiest way to find me is ATL, like the airport code here in Atlanta, ATL Tantra, T-A-N-T-R-A dot com. Um, ATL Tantra dot com. I'm also ATL Tantra on almost every method of social media. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, if you Facebook, if you forward slash ATL Tantra, you can find me. I've been trying to keep it streamlined. Um, keep it simple, stupid is my motto over here. So not to have anybody searching for me. Where did I find it? I'm in Atlanta. I do Tantra. I am ATL Tantra. Yep. <laughs> and I, it's really straightforward. I love that. Um, so, guys, uh, uh, next week is F. We haven't decided what we're doing for F yet. If you've got ideas, send them in. We have done F is for fucking already. I don't mind doing it again, but, you know, please do send in ideas. Don't forget. uh, Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Maybe we'll do (laughs) F is for fisting. Um, And don't forget that you can get access to me monthly uh, by joining my members group on Patreon. This has just started. It's it's a $99 a month group, and I do two um, 90-minute live Q&As in there. Um, on Zoom, it's not, it's not a Facebook group. I'm hosting the group on Patreon. And there's a ton of other content. I've got um, people who come and join me and give exclusive content there. So that's one way to access me. Um, if you want to talk about what your options are working with me, uh, sign up for a 30-minute breakthrough call. And you can find that at bit.ly forward slash the number 30 minutes. And then Dr. Lori Beth, capitalize the D L and B. I look forward to seeing you all next week when we talk F and maybe we'll do F is for fisting. That sounds like a lot of fun actually. And that's probably a topic that freaks lots of people out. And we always like to cover these topics and demystify them. Any questions, email Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com and have yourself a fantastic week.